Glad you could join us on this Wednesday. Happy February. Happy National Signing Day. My name is Alex Frank, your host of Lockdown Bearcats. We're a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It's another Wednesday. It's another Wednesday at 1230. And that can only mean one thing. It's time for our weekly Lockdown Bearcats live room. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll take your comments and questions in the chat. Russ Heltman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, going to join me shortly. Russ has been hard at work with the Bearcats Big 12 schedule. We've all been hard at work. Big 12 schedule released yesterday. The Bearcats' first ever Big 12 schedule. We'll break that down as I did earlier today on Lockdown Bearcats. We'll get to basketball and their loss to Houston last weekend. It was a tough loss, but I do think there is some positives to take away from that. And we will also look ahead to tonight's game against Tulsa, Saturday's game against Central Florida. So lots to get to today. Looking forward to having Russ on. Um, It's been a uh, very, very interesting week again. Um, Obviously, when you have a new head coach and, you know, a new roster. But I do think, and I, I, I do think that this football program is heading in the right direction. I really do. I, I, I think that what Scott Satterfield is saying, I think his vision, I think his approach, I think it's working. Um, I really do believe that there is a foundation in place for a maybe eight-win season, as I said earlier today, on Lockdown Bearcats, an eight-win season, especially when you consider the Big 12 schedule for the Bearcats, very, very favorable, five home games. They avoid the top four teams from last year, including Texas, including TCU, including Kansas State, and Texas Tech. Now, Oklahoma could be better this year. I acknowledge that. BYU is not going to be an easy road trip. West Virginia is not going to be one either. But I do think that there is reason for optimism that this team is going to have a successful season in the Big 12. I don't think they're going to be a pushover. I think compared to UCF, Houston, and BYU schedules, they did get a favorable draw. Um, So I'm excited to see what this team is going to do in the Big 12. Now, the first game is obviously not till another seven months. Um, and that, of course, is seven months from tomorrow against uh, Eastern Kentucky. I think the pit game is going to be a big early first test. And with that, we bring in the driving force behind all Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, the man, the myth, the legend, Russ Heltman, joining us in the weekly live room. Russ, uh, happy February, happy National Signing Day, and... Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, this weather down here in the south is pretty nice. How's it up there? Warming up a little bit. We're getting there, but not quite to uh, that springtime feel for spring football, which is kind of the next thing on the docket for the UC Gridiron contingent. And, of course, we got AAC play in full swing for the Bearcats in basketball, trying to just scratch their way to uh, the top three in the AAC. That's the only real goal left this season as the at-large hopes are squashed. Now, are they completely squashed? We're going to get to that, obviously. But, I mean, you you wrote this week that they're at 0% chance. Is that actually true? 0% chance. The Bearcats will not be making the NCAA tournament unless they win the AAC tournament. Unless they win the AAC tournament. How about that? Well, well, you got a you got a pretty heavy um, echo on your end. Yes, there we go. I just uh, – I was tweeting out the link. See, when you go on YouTube to tweet out the link, it causes an echo, which you definitely do not uh, want. Okay. But, but – uh, <laughs> You tweeted out, I've tweeted out, we're live on YouTube as we are every Wednesday at this time. Let's get it going right here on Locked On Bearcats. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So much to get to as there is every Wednesday live room. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's live room and today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. I'm Alex Frank, Russ Heldman. On the other side, we, of course, are happy to have you with us. We will take your questions and comments in the chat. Russ, let's get right to it. The Big 12 schedule, the 2023 Bearcats football schedule is released. What are your thoughts on it? Oh, man. The Bearcats avoided a gauntlet. 
to say the least. The Bearcats are the biggest winners of the entire Big 12 schedule release and easily the biggest winners of the four teams entering the league. Let's go through it real quick here. Obviously, the non-conference pretty well known for the past year. Home against EKU to start things off, then at Pitt, home against Miami of Ohio, and then you welcome the Oklahoma Sooners to Nippert Stadium, I believe, for the first time ever. They have never played at Nippert Stadium. You go to BYU on September 29th. Alex, I think you and I can safely, unless things change drastically for both programs, chalk that one up as a very, very difficult game to win on six days yeah, rest no question. at no BYU. Question. I would love to get myself a little plane ticket for that view from the press box Same here. Of, the, of the mountains back there. <laughs> then we got Iowa State at home, pretty solid. Home against Baylor, yep. you get those two tough programs at home. Good stuff for the Bearcats there. You go to Oklahoma State, they have already made made the Cincinnati their homecoming game for that one. So some Ooh. bulletin board material there. You welcome Central Florida at home on November 4th, and then you finish the season at Houston, at West Virginia, and home against Kansas. Of the four teams that the Bearcats missed, Alex, this is from Max Olson of The Athletic, they missed the most wins of any four-team combination of yes. opponents that they're not going to face in the Big 12 because they're not going to face the likes of TCU and – um I forget the other three exact teams, but you get my point here where they've avoided the toughest top tier of this conference in the first season. They're going into it with a disheveled roster still in 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 flux. That's a big win for this program and a program that's searching for six wins, I think, as the bar in 2023. This will help them get there a little bit easier with avoiding those top four teams, basically. 39 wins they avoided. Yeah. 39 wins. Those four schools that you alluded to are TCU, Kansas State, Texas, and Texas Tech. Max Olson, I, I did see that today in the athletic. Big, uh, great breakdown. And it really is interesting rest to me because, like, you mentioned Baylor and Iowa State. I see those two wins. Russ, if you can get those two wins, I think if you can find a way to steal another win in conference play, maybe West Virginia, maybe Houston. We know UCF is that revenge game from last year. It's a home game. Get them in November. And I think, too, Russ, think about the, think about the timing of the games. BYU is in September. Yeah, that's a long road trip on a short week. And uh, hey, maybe the Bengals will play the Cardinals or the 49ers on the road. We can double dip that week on the West Coast. But um, I think about um, you get BYU in September. The weather could, the weather's probably still going to be favorable, even though you're going to play in you know a different alt- altitude than you're used to. Yeah. You get um, Oklahoma State in October could still be warm. You get UCF in a cold weather game potentially at home. You go to Houston when it's not as hot in November. Like, this is very, very favorable, Russ. I really do believe that. And, like, it makes me think, honestly, that this team could, I think, have a better chance to do something in 2023. Do you agree? It definitely makes me more confident in the hopes of getting to six wins. That's the bar for me. I'm not going to put any more expectations on this team besides getting bowl eligible. And when you have five home conference games, seven of the 12 games at home, and an environment in Nippert Stadium. I mean, you and I don't need to tell the people how many games in a row they just got they just they just got done winning there before losing to Tulane in the AAC championship game. So that's a legitimate yeah. home field advantage. It's going to be even more so in home field advantage in the Big 12 with how much travel expansion there is for all of these teams getting added in. You and I just mentioned getting the travel to Provo in September as opposed to mid-November. That's a lot different of a scenario and a I would guess a little bit easier of a scenario to uh, deal with. Although maybe the elevation change in the hotter weather in September might be making that point null and void, but people kind of get the, get the gist of what we're saying here, where it seems like un, uh, dissimilarly from last year, Alex, with the final year of the AAC and the, and the schedule, the AAC gave the Bearcats there compared to the kind of less intense, a little bit more of an onboarding schedule going into the Big 12 afforded by the decision makers there. I think it, uh, it's kind of uh, interesting how those two things mirrored over uh, a year span. Yeah, only one week uh, this season do the Bearcats have a short week. And then, Russ, they're on a bye, and then they have two home games. So essentially you're home for the whole month of October. That's pretty good. No doubt. And the bye is perfectly placed. I don't think you you usually want it in that yeah. first week of October, second week over in terms of the college football calendar so as close to the middle of the season as you can get that's a great place to have a buy and it especially with the uh the tql announcement i'm sure we'll get into that a little bit today uh going down yesterday from john cunningham 20 million dollars away from the 100 million dollar day one goal they have all of this momentum now behind the program 
it was been a good start to the week for the Bearcats in terms of scheduling and in terms of finances. Very good start to the week. Now, let me ask you this. So I, I said this earlier this week about this 2023 season, and we've talked about it and how much of a rebuild it's going to be. But I think more so, Russ, because of the strong foundation in place. I texted you one of a fan's comment from one of our YouTube videos last week, and they said, hey, what Luke Fickle did is given Scott Satterfield a great foundation to walk into. And so I think about, yeah, there might be some rebuilding to do this season, but to you, is it more about building and establishing this season? I think it's it's about establishing the culture and then building that culture into Big 12 championship caliber material in 2024. And I think I said last week or two weeks ago that you want to be ready for the first year of the college football playoff expansion. Next that, I did not mean that. I meant second year of the college football playoff expansion. 2025, use these two seasons to build. And then 2025, once you got a couple recruiting classes under your belt, Brady Drogosh should be hitting his prime of his college career by that point as your number one uh, quarterback recruit this season. That's when you can start to have high expectations, in my opinion. And oftentimes, I mean, you and I talked about it last week with Wes Miller. That third season is where the critics really start to get more ammunition for wanting to get rid of coaches because you have two seasons of work already in the bag and you want to start seeing that major improvement in year three. I think about third season. I mean, we look at what Zach Taylor and in in his third season with the Bengals took them to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow in his third season really became that top-tier quarterback that we all hoped for when they drafted him number one overall. So hopefully the same thing happens with the Bearcats, with Wes Miller. We'll get to him in a minute. Um, the Bearcats, as far as year three in the Big 12, that's going to be 2025. Um, I will say, you know, Oklahoma, first Big 12 opponent at home. I mean, the anticipation for that game is going to be extremely palpable, Russ, leading up to that game. Um, you and I are going to, I mean, now, I don't know what my work schedule is going to look like. Hopefully I can be there, but if, I, if I'm able to, you know I'll be there, Russ. You'll, you'll be there too. Um, that's going to be a fun game to cover. I really hope that's a nip and night game because the atmosphere would be electric if that was the case. I mean, can you imagine, like – I mean, we know and, – and, Russ, I do think Oklahoma is going to be better this year. Their recruiting classes are, are strong, both in rivals and 24-7 sports top 10. And you have to think defensively with Brent Venables, they're going to get it turned around. So that's going to be a tough game, though. And then BYU on a short week. Like, you play your two toughest games early. But if you come out of that stretch 0-2, that if you if you're even thinking about playing for a Big 12 championship, because here's the thing, 14 teams competing for two spots not 11 competing for two, and the Bearcats aren't going to be at the top to start the season like they were last year in the American. So if you come out of that two-game stretch, one and one to start conference play, I think Bearcat fans will be very happy about that. No doubt. One and one, I, mean, I don't even know if you can expect them to those first two games. Like It's it's going to be difficult. Oklahoma had a down year last year, obviously, but they should bounce back, I, I would guess, a little bit more in, in respect. And they'll be, I would say, on the same level, if not a little bit better than you see, given where they are at as a program heading into the first year under Scott Satterfield. So it's it's going to take patience, people. It's going to take patience, even if it's a nip-night game, even if all of the exterior factors are going the Bearcats' way in that first uh, run around in a 60-minute Big 12 affair. It's going to be still very difficult to adjust this roster, adjust the mindset, adjust the intensity to Big 12 play. It's one of the reasons you bring a, uh, a sitting Power 5 coach in to replace Luke Fickle, but those things take time, and especially talent-wise. Like I mentioned with the basketball team ad nauseum over the past three months since the season started, you can coach them up as well as possible. You can burn every possible bit of midnight oil, and you're only as good oftentimes as the stars next to your name. We saw it on full display when TCU got destroyed by almost 60 against Georgia. Stars matter, and the stars matter greatly in the Big 12. They're going to play a big role in the opening season, but not as much of a role as 2024, 2025, and beyond for what is hopefully a successful Scott Satterfield era in terms of Bearcat fans' view on it. The interesting thing about Scott Satterfield is this. I don't think you can hold him to the light of Luke Fickle. And I say no. that even I say that even if he wins a Big 12 championship against against the Bearcats in the playoff or a national championship. There will never be another head coach like Luke Fickle for as long as the Bearcats program exists. Because of what he did to get the Bearcats to where they are. 
the next head coach, whether it be Satterfield or whoever, or, or maybe somebody else, they can win a national championship, but they will never have the impact and legacy of Luke Fickle. That also said, there are more questions about Scott Satterfield that you and I and fans care about because the program is now relevant. Back in 2017, Russ, what were the questions surrounding Luke Fickle? Well, can the can this program get back to relevancy and can he make this program competitive? With um with Scott Satterfield, it's well, who what is he like in game? How's his play calling? What about his coordinators? There's more questions that you and I care about because the program has been to the college football playoff as a group of five team. There are now somewhat of baseline expectations. Now, I'm not saying you should have expectations for this year. You're echoing my sentiments of this week. Patience. And I think that I think not having any expectations is going to make this season more enjoyable for you, for me, for Bearcat fans. All right. Um, we're going to switch gears here. Russ, did you, uh, is your mic muted? I, 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 there was a little dead period there. I don't know if you were, uh, if we lost it. I think it, it must have. It must have uh, glitched or something. I didn't hear anything for a second either, but we're back. Ah, okay. We are back and better than ever. Um, anyway, um, so we're going to switch gears. We're going to – oh, you know, I do have one more question for you, actually. Uh, two mm-hmm. more, actually, about football. And then we'll go to the hardwood um, on Saturday with the Bearcats Houston. Um, Stuart Mandel in The Athletic recently gave uh, our coaching grade – or coaching higher rates. Scott Centerfield got a C-. minus. Do you agree with that? I, I, I don't know. No, I, I'd give it like a B minus, a B. I mean, who cares? What does it matter? Who cares? All these articles are, and I get it. I mean, it's for clicks, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. The, the entire basis of the C minus rating is because he picked the wrong region of the country to go to. I mean, how much of a difference is there from Cincinnati to North Carolina? Like, what what are we talking about here? So if that's the only reason that he got the C minus – then, I mean, he's trying to combat that day in and day out on the recruiting trail. He's He was in almost every high school coach's office in the city last two weeks trying to make sure that is not an issue for his tenure here. So, I don't know. I don't really agree with it. And I I guess it could be right. There's, there's, there is every likelihood that Scott Satterfield will be out of this job in three years, as there is a likelihood he'll be a conference champion in three years. It's just there is that much up in the air with this yeah. program, and there's so much – that has to get settled dust wise over the past over the next six months to a year when we start looking at that 2024 recruiting class and the the lifeblood that's going to inject in this program heading into the Big 12 for the first four to five six years. So I don't know. You have to do those articles. Somebody's got to be last. Somebody's got to get a bad grade. And you could just tell they didn't even want to go all the way. Stewart didn't even want to go all the way and give it a bad overall grade because a C minus. I'm still passing Ohio University's uh, broadcast journalism degree marks with that grade there, Alex. So you and I yeah. would still be getting degrees with a C minus. I don't know. It's just it's it's one of those exercises that you have to do. And it did surprise me a little bit that Scott Satterfield was the lowest graded coaching hire in the Power Five for the Athletic. And Luke Fickle was the second highest. So and and who was yeah. number one? Who was that number one? The only one to no, get an A plus no, out of the entire. No, no shock, no shock. Deion Sanders, TCU uh, will play them in Week One. Yeah, one. Yeah, and wow. Were, were you and I saying to go after Deion Sanders? Yeah, not enough money. It seems like. Oh, if only they could find the money, Alex. You and I'd be talking about two five-star cornerbacks manning the defense to go with a four-star top fifty quarterback. I would say in the country, top twenty-five, well, arguably, in Shadur Sanders. So. What could have been? What could have been? I guess we can't have nice things. Now, as you sit here today, what are your expectations for this year now that the schedule's out? Uh, I can't answer that right now. I I would say six and six. I expect them to go six and six. It hasn't really changed. It has made me a little bit more confident in the six and six schedule, but I'd have to, I mean, I'll do my full uh, game by game win projection closer to August and July, something like that. Once we get the full roster fully set. I mean, Alex, I can't even go higher than six and six or lower than six, six right now. Cause you and I don't have a clue who's going to be the quarterback, the starting offensive line, the starting wide receiver, the starting running back. I mean, there are so many positions up in the air right now for this team. There are makes my eight and four prediction now questionable, I guess. Cause I, I think they can, I think they can get, I, I think they can get to eight wins. 
because they avoid the top four teams in the Big 12. I'm being realistic. They're going to lose at Pitt. They're going to lose at BYU. They're going to lose to Oklahoma State, and they're going to lose to Houston. And I I think maybe, I mean, the West Virginia game's a toss-up. UCF even is a toss-up. That's going to be a tough one. Um, Baylor's a toss-up. They fell off last year after winning the Big 12 in 2021. So, all right, we'll switch gears to the hardwood. Another tough loss for the Bearcats on Saturday, as Russ alluded to at the top of the show, diminishing any shot of an at-large bid. But are is there still a chance this team can gain momentum at the end of the season and get to the conference tournament? I will explain after I tell you all how this episode of Locked On Bearcats, today's live room, is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Um, Super Bowl 57, the Chiefs and the Eagles. I'm going to go some over-unders here. Travis Kelsey, I like him over 78.5 receiving yards. Miles Sanders, I like him over 57 and a half rushing yards. I don't think Jalen Hurts will crack 243 and a half passing yards. Mahomes, I'll go under 292 and a half passing yards for him. But the key here is the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. I like the FanDuel app because it's so easy to use. Join FanDuel today at fanduel.com slash lockdown to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Lockdown is headed to the Senior Bowl. Get inside analysis from the hosts that cover the NFL's next generation in college and find out which NFL draft boards these players will be climbing all in one location. Subscribe to Lockdown NFL Draft for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Back here, Lockdown Bearcats, Alex Frank and Russ Hellman with you. Of course, we're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We'll take your questions and comments in the chat momentarily. Um, by the way, it is National uh, Signing Day. Um, no, We did have some recruiting news this morning for the 2024 class, so that's good. That is, tr- that is true. I saw that on all Bearcats. Um, little little four-star so, wide receiver top seven. Go to allbearcats.com if you want to uh, read more about that. Yes. And that, that's important because this program does need some wide receivers. So let's get to the hardwood Saturday. Um, what to you is the difference right now between Cincinnati and Houston? Because the Bearcats at one point led by 13. They led by eight in the second half with under 10 minutes to play. And then the Cougars go on this 15-2 to two run. Bearcats do manage to tie the game with under a minute to play. Then the Cougars ultimately pull away. What's the difference right now between these two teams, Russ, as to why – the Cougars are managing to pull out these wins. I mean, I think you're going to know what I'm going to say, Alex. T-A-L-E-N-T. Talent. That's the difference. That is the difference. And it was kind of, it was it was very interesting, the answer that Wes Miller gave me yesterday when I asked him. And I kind of, I didn't, I wonder, I, I, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back because I basically asked him if his team is talented enough to beat a team like Houston. When you game plan all week for a guy like Jarish Walker, when you game plan all week for players like Tremont Mark and Marcus Sasser, and he told me the reason they didn't have really uh, as much success guarding Walker as they might have hoped is because you you commit so many resources to blocking the perimeter with Sasser and Mark that you start to open up the interior with Jarish Walker, and then you get one-on-one opportunities, and he just makes shots. That's one-on-one talent against one-on-one talent and the talent on the other side winning out and Jarris Walker, who has shot up draft boards. He is one of the best prospects. And I would say, I, I mean, you could argue in college basketball alone, he's the best prospect in the country right up there with, uh, I forget the guy's name, Brandon Miller at uh, out of Alabama. So, I mean, he is an unbelievable freshman playing really well right now. And it's just a, got another guy, a top tier talent that the Bearcats don't have. They got one of them and he's made the AAC honor roll for three weeks in a row because he's consistently tapping into 
that talent. And that's what talent's all about, how consistently you can get to it. And a guy like Landers Nolly, who is top 10 nationally in three-point three point percentage now, gutted through a knee injury to put up 24 points, six rebounds, I think three assists in that game against Houston. A complete showing, but a showing that needed an addition from a guy like Micah Adams-Woods. Needed an addition from a guy like Jeremiah Davenport. Needed an addition down the stretch from a guy like David DeJulius. Those talents were nowhere to be found consistently yeah, in this no. game against Houston. And that's the biggest problem. Wes Miller has the coaching chops. I know he does. He got that team ready to play and out to a, what, 11-point lead all the way through the first 30 minutes of the game. And then you go on a 27-9 run. I believe that's what it was through the final 10 minutes of the contest if you're Houston. By and large, Alex, on jump shots. It wasn't like there were a bunch of game plan breakdowns on the defense. It was a lot of one-on-one players making plays and making shots in the rhythm of the action. The Bearcats just weren't able to do that on the other end. And it's kind of been the story of the season so far as they sit fifth in the AAC, two games back of Memphis, two and a half games back overall, given the head-to-head result earlier this season. And that's kind of your goal you're left with for the rest of the conference play heading in the AAC tournament, trying to find a way to get to that third or second spot behind Houston and avoid the Cougars as long as possible in that field. Yeah, and you texted me on a, on Saturday during the game, the Cougars ultimately ended up playing good, sound ball. Well, you look at the box score, it may not just be the talent. Now, you look at Houston and you see 25 points from Jarris Walker, 10 of 14 from the floor, 37 minutes. Jawan Roberts, 14 points, 7 of 9 from the floor. Jamal Shedd, 13 points, 5 of 9 from the floor. But here's what stands out to me, Russ, and you always see this with a great team, and this is why Houston's a great team. They're so consistent. Even when you're up by 13, and even when you're leading most of the game, what do great teams do? They are always lurking in the corner. It's like the Pittsburgh Steelers. They can be 4-7. and seven. That doesn't matter to them. They're chipping away. They're still winning games. They're still battling. It's like the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, even when the Reds had that lead on them in 2021, the Cardinals then started winning 16 games in a row. By the time you knew what it hit you, yeah, you couldn't do anything about it. Okay? So the Cougars on Saturday shot 57.1% in the first half and then 56% in the second half. And what's crazy to me is of the 25 shots they took in the second half, only five were from three-point range. They just made a lot of high-percentage shots. And the Bearcats did not. The Bearcats shot 60.7% in the first half, 30.3 in the second half. Um, the Cougars scored 36 points in the first half, 39 in the second half. The Bearcats 43 to 26. So it might not just be talent, but it's also consistency, something the Bearcats just simply do not have right now. And if they want any shot at going to the NCAA tournament, as you just mentioned, I mean, we can look at the standings right now. If the Bearcats finish fourth or fifth, they're probably going to have to play Houston unless Temple somehow overtakes them and you can avoid them until the conference championship. But right now, the Bearcats sit in fifth place, five and four in the conference, 14-8 overall. You've got your top three, Houston, Temple, and Memphis. Tulane is in fourth, big game next Tuesday. Cincinnati at five and four. So you're right. If they can get to that two to three range, you can avoid Houston until the conference championship game. You might still have to face a Temple or a Memphis, but at least your first round matchup would be against uh, Wichita State or SMU, who you've already beaten once each. Uh, wait, how they? Yeah, once each this season, and you can then worry about your semifinal matchup from there. Now, here's what I want to know from you: What has been the mood like around the team this week? Heading into tonight's game with Tulsa, it's been it's been good. They're staying upbeat. Coach Miller I, uh, hasn't changed really. I don't think in his, his demeanor. Uh, talked talked with Mike Adams Woods this week, one on one. Caught up with him. He's obviously really upped his game this season. Ten percent increases in field goal percentage, three point percentage. Upped his uh, assists a tick as well. Has brought his defensive rating down lower than it was last season, which was a career best mark. So he's having a really great year. And he's I even asked him. I'm like, so what? What's the deal? Why do you guys not think, or what is the reason why you guys can't break through in these big games? I even brought it up. I'm like, you guys are covering spreads left and right. You guys are meeting the expectation and exceeding the expectations in these games where you're you're not 
looked at as a favorite or you're looked at as a team that should get blown out and you just haven't been able to get over that hump. And he said, it's just consistency. It's being able to make those winning plays in the last few minutes of games. And especially kind of, this is me paraphrasing a little bit, but just the guards have not been there. They really just have not been there in the winning time, crunch time moments. And Micah, great guy. I love talking to him, but he, he'll he be the first one to tell you, didn't play well against Houston. One of five from the field. Only make Alex was that half-court heave to hit yeah. the, to beat the buzzer at the end that? of the half. I, like It's just so difficult in college basketball when you have a three, two to three guard, two guards in Micah, more so Jeremiah Davenport, but Micah a little bit, where you just can't entirely rely on what they're going to give you across a full 40 minutes. Adams Woods has been much better in that sense this season. I just talked about the improvements he's made. He's been very solid throughout the year, hit a little bit of a skid over the past week shooting the ball, but I mean, you and I have talked about Jeremiah Davenport. It's I, I texted you again on Saturday. It was bad. Another bad game for J.D., especially in the second half. One for six from the field. 0 for four from outside. A team minus 13 for the game. I don't want to keep ripping on Jeremiah Davenport. He's a nice guy. He seems like a great dude. Like I want him to do well. I would love to cover him as a successful player, but that just has not happened in any consistent sense this season. It hasn't. Um, eight points on Saturday, um, three of nine from the field, two of seven from three did have six rebounds, which is good, but like, man, he's not there when this team needs him the most, um, one in 12 in quad one, quad two games since beating Illinois last year and four and 17, excuse me, overall under and, uh, Alex, who's that one quad one, two win that they have in that stretch. Who is it? Wichita, Wichita state. Okay, yeah, Wichita State people, they are barely, barely in the quad two range. They just snuck in there in yeah. the last week. As you That's the said, only reason it became a quad one, quad two win. As you, as you said in the preview, um, yeah, they are not the Wichita State Shockers that we knew in the last decade. They don't have Greg Marshall. <laughs> they don't have Greg Marshall anymore. Um, now, when they did, they were good. I will I will give you that. Um, I, remember the, I remember those days. But those days are the, are the last decade, not in 2023. All right. So let me see if I had any more questions for you. Okay. So this team has nine games left. And I do think it's it's going to be difficult. But you look at some of the team, you look at some of the Big 12 teams and the schedules they have, Russ. I did that earlier on today's show. I mean, it is brutal some of the stretches these Big 12 teams are in. I mean, think about Kansas. They host Kansas State, they hosted Kansas State last night, won that game. Now they got to go to Iowa State, who just blew it against Texas Tech. That's their first win. I mean, this is this is going to be life in the Big 12 next year. And oh, by the way, let's add the number three team in the country currently to the to, to the conference next year in the Houston Cougars. Russ Heldman, um, for the Bearcats, I think they need to start playing like a Big 12 team over these final nine games because I think they have to go at least – seven and two, which would get them to 12 and six, eight and one would get you to uh, 13 and five, nine and oh, eh, maybe 14 and four. I mean, what does this team need to accomplish down the stretch to give you hope going into the conference tournament in Fort Worth? Like to give you hope that they can win it? Yeah, I mean, because considering that's their only way, it looks like to make the NCAA tournament. I don't know, really. I don't think there's anything they can do to make me think they're going to win the AAC tournament. I really don't. Like at this point in the season, with nine games left, you are who you are. They are like you are who you are. Twenty plus games in the season, and especially like this is this is the point last year where everything fell apart. Where did they go down the stretch, Alex? Two and eight in the final ten games. Two and some, nine. Two and two nine. nine. Yeah, it's just some horrific losses mixed in there. That to me, I think is is the bar is getting six wins down the stretch here, five wins down the stretch here, just finding a way to get over 500, finish the season on a better note than you did last year. And then it's time to go talent hunting because I, there's nothing from this roster that makes me what that they can do over the final stretch outside of winning out and winning out in pretty comfortable fashion to make me think that they should have a strong, strong chance to win the AAC tournament. That's just a, a crazy expectation for this program 
given the fact of where they are through the first 21, 20, 20 games of the season at 14 and eight overall, five and four uh, in the conference. And as we mentioned, one and 12 in the past two seasons, quad one, quad two games, they're going to have to face probably yeah. two, maybe three of those games in the conference tournament. And I don't know how they win all three. I don't know, but I mean, we've seen crazy things happen in the Big 12. So, I mean, if you want to get ready for the Big 12, there you go. Um, right. But now, that's, that's, those are all, the, every one of those teams, the top 25, top 35 teams correct. that are playing, that are making no, those crazy you, things happen. You, you look at net rankings and you noted this in your preview article, the nine of the 10 Big 12 teams are in the top 38 in Ken Palm rankings. I mean, that's absurd. <laughs> um, now, okay. So we've got Tulsa tonight. Should be a win. I mean, they are terrible. Tulsa. Five and fifteen. They've only won one game, as you mentioned, since December twenty first. They are one and eight in the, in the AAC. Um, but worth noting, the Bearcats lost to them the last time they played last year, the day before the Super Bowl. Um, they got UCF on Saturday. That's not going to be a cakewalk by any means. But you got to win these two games. Yeah, you got to find a way to claw your claw up to the third seed, the two seed. And you, if you don't find a way to take out this UCF team, a flailing UCF team, a UCF team that lost four in a row, should not really have any business coming into your arena. If you think you're an AAC contender still as the Cincinnati Bearcats and taking you out, you got to get it done. You have to go to this week uh, in terms of beating Tulsa and UCF at home. Then you travel to Tulane. You welcome South Florida and East Carolina. Like Alex, and I think Wes Miller would agree with me here. There is no excuse not to win, not to go into that trip to Memphis with one or fewer losses over this upcoming stretch. Like yeah. if you can't figure out a way to beat Tulsa, beat UCF, get a, get it done against Tulane on the road, beat South Florida, beat East Carolina, and like those, this is a stretch that they need to go five and one at least heading into the Memphis game because like that's the way you can start to confidently get fans thinking of the pipe dream of winning the AAC tournament is putting together a nice stretch here of consistent sound ball like we mentioned and yeah. and getting some strong results but you can't you can't flounder 3 and 3 going into Memphis or something like that or 4 and 2 and expect people to start hopping on the bandwagon even if they are able to get a road win in a quad 2 scenario against the Tigers well, don't forget the game before Memphis is the home game against Temple, who's currently second in the AAC, and they right. already have a win over Houston. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. Your next few games, Tulsa, UCF, Tulane, USF, East Carolina, please, God, beat East Carolina, and then UCF on the road. That's six games. I mean, you got to find a way to win at least five. I would right. say six. But it, I think the expectation be should be six wins if yes. if, if, if that's where we think – this program is and that's where i would say the coaching staff hopes this program is is six wins but i mean you, you look at four wins a disastrous three and four stretch here it's just going to put a really sour taste on the season heading into the ac yeah a friend of mine a friend of mine mentioned this to me last night if they hadn't lost to nku how would we be feeling because not, not much that lot how much how, not, how much different okay, would you be feeling alex I, it wouldn't um, change much for me at all no, because that's a game you should have won, but it just makes everything a little bit worse. I will say that. All right, so next year the Big 12 tournament's going to be in Kansas City. I will hopefully be making the trip. Russ, you will be as well for some barbecue. Um, Kansas City, <laughs> people have uh, been talking about that city a little bit in Cincinnati over the last week or so. Russ, I'm going to ask you your thoughts on Sunday's very, very brutal loss by the Bengals to the Chiefs. The AFC Championship game. We'll do that after we hear from two of our sponsors. Russ, let me ask you this. Which TU, and you said this earlier this season, the two worst or two, it was either the two worst or the most devastating losses you've seen from the Bengals in your lifetime? The Super Bowl last year and the season opener this past year to Pittsburgh. But let me ask you this question What's worse? Losing the Super Bowl or losing the AFC Championship game? I'd have to go with the Super Bowl just because it was so close. They were one half second away from winning the entire thing. Quentin Spain blocks Aaron Donald for one more millisecond. Then Joe Burrow hits Jamar Chase streaking down the sideline wide open. 
and it's the arguably greatest throw in the history of the Super Bowl to walk off like that game-winning play. Yeah. It would have been a storybook ending, and it would have made Sunday's loss feel like nothing. It wouldn't have been disappointing at all if the Bengals had won the Super Bowl last year and fell fallen in the AFC Championship as reigning champions, but they did not win the Super Bowl last year. No. And that's what made Sunday sting nearly to the same level as it did in 2021-22 season because, sure, the team should be just as good, if not a little bit better next year, but that Joe Burrow contract is coming. These opportunities yeah. are getting fewer and fewer on the docket, and it's just – it's. It's not open. The window's not open forever. Bearcats fans know this definitively. Luke Fickle, you think, oh, going to the Big 12, ready to roll. The era, the train rolls on, the Fickle tracks. Nope. Quick, abrupt ending like they so off so yeah. many times are in sports, and it was really rough to see the Bengals go down like that, especially given the referee controversy, the fact that Gene Steratore confirmed B.J. Hill was held by the letter of the law on the Patrick Mahomes scramble. That should have been null and void. They should have had to replay the down. And had they had to replay the down, there would not have been enough time left on the clock to get a Super Bowl winning kick in on that play. And they would have gone to overtime. Ifs and buts, candy and nuts. It would always be Christmas if that were the case. And it is not. Tough, tough loss for the Bengals. They try to rebound. Uh, going into next season, I fully expect them to win the AFC North once again. I don't see yes. any competition for that crown. They Thank should you. be a high seed once again. And Alex, I think you and I can safely agree on this. Sean Payton and the rest of the coaching staffs in the AFC West, for the love of all that is holy, can you give us a win or two maybe over the Kansas City Chiefs during the regular season? I mean, good Lord. The team gets the 13, 14 wins every year because that division is an abject joke. If they can figure out a way to strip yeah. the Chiefs up a little bit, then the Bengals might be welcoming Kansas City to Cincinnati next season, and the entire result could change based on that. But definitely stings given how close they were. And you gotta just you gotta wait a whole year for the true season. It feels like the true season's the playoffs now for Bengals fans to start once again. Wow. I mean, it's nice to hear that. I mean, <laughs> the true season is now the playoffs. I mean, wow. Yeah. Well, that's the standard. But and Mo Egger talked about this on his show yesterday. What if the Bengals had not lost to Pittsburgh and Dallas the first two games of the season? And I think a lot of us kind of put those in the rearview mirror because they were the Bengals were winning 10 straight games. They went into Buffalo and dismantled them, and you're like, okay, they can go into Kansas City and win. But I just think, Russ, if they had, had, if they had that game at home, I mean, you see how valuable the number one seed is in the NFL, Right. The two yeah, the two one play, seeds make it. <laughs> yeah, the two number one seeds are in the Super Bowl this year. The, the number one seed made it in, 20, in 2020, the Chiefs. The Niners yeah, were the number I, one seed in 2019. I'm not putting as much stock into the one seed because like, they would have had to win both of those games. The second game, I, like Dallas, the defense won it. There wasn't like It wasn't some fluke or anything. The defense yeah. beat the hell out of the offense, and they won the football game. The first game, a complete fluke. A complete utter fluke. Yes. They should have been hosting the Bills and divisional round weekend, not going to Buffalo. But that but, didn't matter because they beat right, it. Right, it ended up not mattering. So, like the first two weeks, in my eyes, it's a fun segment for Mo. I, I know he's got a he's got he's got to hit those three hours and hit them hard, but it doesn't. It's yeah. null and void because they beat the Bills. Who cares? They would have like the Chiefs and Bengals. They would have had the same record, yes, and the Bengals would have won the one seed, but the Cowboys game wasn't some fluke or officiating scam or anything no. like that. The Cowboys defense just beat them. And the Cowboys the Cowboys ended up having a really, really good season. So, right. like, that, that loss looked better and better as the season went on. And then the Bengals still beat the Chiefs in the regular season. They still beat the Bills in the postseason. They beat the Ravens twice to end the season. I mean, I mean, I mean, heck, they beat a Pro Bowl quarterback twice in two weeks, Russ. I mean, how about that? Um, so... Yeah, yeah, that's a topic for another day. Seriously. Um, I will say this. I'm not going to blame the refs. The refs did not cost the Bengals the game. The Bengals had chances. In the fourth quarter, they had two possessions, game tied of 20. They didn't score on either one of them. Like, when the Chiefs punted, I said, blood of the water, go steal this game right here. And give Joe Burrow credit. They tried two deep shots. They didn't work. I will say this, Russ. Great play by Brian Cook, former Bearcat. and Cruel synergy. Three. Cruel get, synergy, Alex. You'll get three Cruel. bearcat, three bearcats in this game. Travis Kelsey, who I'm not, I, I'm not, my opinion about him hasn't changed, even though he took a shot at Aptap here ball. Um, Deserve it. Uh, 
Do I have to say Mayor Aftab here, Ball? You don't have to say anything. Okay, thank you. Um, so then Jason Kelsey. I mean, you're going to have a Bearcat be a two-time Super Bowl champion. And Brian Cook from that vaunted 2021 class could be a Super Bowl champion rookie season. Boy, life is great as a Bearcat right now. And I'll say this, Russ. You know, you got to tip your cap to Patrick Mahomes. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. He finally got a win against Joe Burrow. Okay. Rivalry's on. It's going to be a fun rivalry the next 10 to 15 years. The Bengals go two arrowhead next year. That's a game I want to go to. Um, If the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, I do think the Bengals will play him on opening kickoff night, which would be a fantastic matchup to start the season. Yeah. Okay. Um, I feel like there was another question I had. Oh, yes. Um, the chat. Let's see if we've got – oh, it looks like we got some good stuff today in the, uh, the, 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 the chat, Russ. So uh, let's get to that. From mistakes we are made. Interesting. Not name. a question. Uh, let's see. Crawley, never... he, has, he has an issue with Satterfield not prioritizing the state of Cincinnati like Fickle did. I don't know that there's any kind of evidence to say he's not – prioritizing the state of Cincinnati offers have been sent out to these players. I haven't covered. There's just been so many offers, Alex. I mean, I'm just a man. There's only 24 hours in the day. You can't cover every single offer. It's literally impossible. You're writing all day long and people don't care about some of the offers anyways, namely some of these non-rated guys. And a lot of these offers to Cincinnati players, players in the city of Cincinnati are guys that are not rated on, uh, on 24 seven sports or stuff like that. So, I mean, he's hitting the local recruiting pipeline. He is. He's getting relationships going with the um, area high school coaches. And so I think we'll the the main top-tier players, the top-tier players in this city, guys like Elias Rudolph, guys like Chris Henry Jr., they're getting talked to by Scott Satterfield and this UC team. They've already been offered, both those players, uh, to the University of Cincinnati. And I believe, yeah, both yeah. of them already have already visited the, the campus. So I wouldn't be too worried about that. No. And then, we got. I would um, be. Uh, there is there is one question. Um, who is your guys' priority free agent signing this off season for the Bengals? Oh, the Bengals. Um, that's a uh, James Rapine. Who, hopefully, now that the I mean they're in the off season. I I did ask him today if he wanted to come on the live room with us, Russ. So hopefully we'll have him on uh, one of our future live rooms. Our, our good buddy and founder of All Bearcats, James Rapine. Um, priority free agent this off season is Von Bell. That's your priority free agent. Correct. No doubt about it. That's okay, I don't, see, is there see, even see, an I argument? Thought, like what's what no. is there even a debate? I don't think there is. I think it's Von Bell. Um, I mean, he yeah, I mean, he you think about the big plays he made this past season and he's a leader of your defense. Um, I mean that I mean, we could do a whole show on that. Um mistakes we are made says you'll never win any championship with that coach. I mean, Satterfield, you'll be searching for a new coach three to four years. I mean, again, as you said. Russ, he can just as easily be great in three to four years as he could be run out of town three to four years. So that's that that goes back to the point you made earlier. Um, this show, um, Pete Crawley said Davenport hitting a hot streak, Lockett reached another level, and David and Lander staying consistent is the key to making the tournament. Yes, I mean, big if on Davenport hitting a hot streak. Um, Pete Crawley, yeah, Von says, Bell is a higher priority over Hayden Hurst, Pete Crawley, because. Yeah of the position he plays. You can go get a tight end in the draft. You can go get a tight end in free agency. You can go get a tight end anywhere off the street. I don't think they're going to be able to find what Von Bell does in the draft right away or in the free agent pipeline. So I would say Von Bell over Hayden Hurst. But yeah, Hayden Hurst is a top three, top four free agent. He's a guy that they could definitely bring back no question. on a uh, on a new deal. Because yeah, I don't like the tight end depth that's behind him right now. So I think you do have to make There isn't any first. depth. Drew Sample is also a free agent. Oh, well, that's good. Um, yeah, that, that, yeah, he and Eli Apple can uh, go walk tomorrow. Well, I will say this though: Aptap here ball makes Eli Apple look pretty good. I so, don't know why Eli Apple gets so much hate. I like Eli Apple. I hope he's back. Yeah, but that last drive of the Super Bowl. I'll take I'll take trash talk and solid cornerback play over no trash talk and a and a turnstile any day of the week. By the way, just think about the Bearcats this year in the pros. Russ. Sauce Gardner gets first team All Pro. Kobe Bryant and the Seahawks make the playoffs. Not bad. Yeah, it's very, it's good. It's good. It's very good. All right, I think we've hit the end of the road. Russ, you'll be at the game tonight covering it for all Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. I got to finish something that I'm drafting right now for all Bearcats, breaking down the schedule, what I like, what I don't like. Um, maybe I'll offer up some predictions. So, uh, yeah, we got a lot coming for you on all Bearcats. Russ is also running for all Bengals. So, uh, I mean, 
where it does feel weird, Russ, to me, being in the offseason now for the Bengals. I mean, we're full on offseason for Bearcats football. Pete Crawley said, thanks, fellas. Well, thank you. Um, by the way, we're at 696 subscribers on uh, YouTube, so keep those coming, Russ. We're almost to 700. That we are. It's been a lot of fun, Alex. I'll uh, I'll talk to you next week, my man. So we got three games in between today and next week. We'll break it all down for you. We'll break down the latest on signing day. Well, by that point, it'll be a week old, so we'll, re- we'll, we'll, we'll rehash that and much more to get to then. Russ, thank you as always. Best wishes to you, man, and uh, enjoy the game tonight. Yep, have a great day, everybody. Russ Elman is my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, kind enough to join me today. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. It's free and available everywhere you get your podcast. Oh, do we have a new message in the chat? It looks like we do. It is. I be- Is the channel not off kids mode? Wow. I'll tell you what. Between living in Macon for this past year and doing a Bearcats podcast and not being near Cincinnati. Oof. Yeah, that's been a little. But. I'll be back home next week. Looking forward to that. All right. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. It's free and available everywhere you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel and follow it to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. For your second listen today, check out our brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Lockdown College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever. You get your podcast for Lockdown Bearcats. I'm Alex Frank. Thanks for joining us today on today's live room. Back again next week to recap the three basketball games, signing day, and other news that comes from the Bearcats football and men's basketball programs. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We are, of course, part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and an ATI. Instagram, Alex Frank, and underscore an email, Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Russ is on Twitter at Russ Heltman 11. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. I'm Alex Frank for Lockdown Bearcats and for Russ Heltman. Have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you tomorrow or either. Well, I mean, yeah, we will talk to you tomorrow. Okay, so I'm posting this podcast form later today. This will be for Thursday's show. Enjoy Groundhog Day. Hope Poxitani Phil doesn't see a shadow. We'll be back on Friday to end the week right here on Lockdown Bearcats.